Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child using the method of catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mecki Lozano. Today, Carolyn Kohlhaus and I are going to dive into the Paschal Mystery. So this episode is coming out on the Wednesday before Easter, the Wednesday of Holy Week, where we are about to enter into the most beautiful time of our liturgical year in the church, full of all kinds of symbolism and meaning and depth and love. And so Carolyn and I attempt to just scrape the surface of what the Paschal Mystery means to us and also how it manifests itself in the level one, level two, and level three atrium. I hope you enjoy. Carolyn, welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. We are excited you are with us today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Carolyn, would you tell us a little bit about who you are and your involvement with Catechesis of the Good Shepherd? Absolutely. Um, I was first introduced to this work uh, in 2006 and started right away in the atrium. So I've had 15 years of, of listening with the children um, to all that God has and so beautifully through them. And at that point, I actually already had my AMI primary Montessori certification mm. and an undergrad degree in theology from Franciscan University in Steubenville. Nice. So I moved pretty quickly into being a formation leader. So I've been a formation leader for 12 years. And during that became AMI elementary Montessori certified because I realized how much I relied on my Montessori training in working with adults. Mm -hmm. um, and so right now I'm working with uh, children in two different Catholic Montessori schools, as well as some children in faith formation. And I think probably my greatest joy in this work is I've been, some of the children who started with me as three-year-olds in the atrium are now in fifth grade. So it's just been beautiful to kind of walk mm -hmm. with them all the way through. Yeah, yeah. I've enjoyed that a few times as well. Those kids, you're like, I remember when you yeah. were three and now you are 12 in level three. And that's it's so gift. beautiful. It is. It is. Well, how cool. Because I feel like you have a little bit of like Sophia and Gianna in you. You know, you were like the theologian, but also you have this Montessori training like Gianna. How, how That's really neat. Well, so I sort of got to the point of saying, if God has given me these experiences, I mean, what a beautiful way to be able to use them. So mm -hmm. God is good. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And you're a formation leader too, also, right? True. Yep. For the last 12 years. So I've done all three levels of formation um, and continue to do them. It's been a gift to still be able to do them this year when I know many people have not been able to. That's awesome. Well, Carolyn, we have a really big topic to discuss today. We're just praying that the Holy Spirit guides us through this conversation because I feel like it's the summit of our whole faith. We're going to be diving into the Paschal Mystery. So I, I kind of felt like maybe we should start off with maybe defining what the Paschal mystery even means. Like, what does that term even mean? Yeah, I think when I was growing up, I would have told you it means that Jesus died mm -hmm. for us. And I remember so distinctly in college during, a I think, a religious ed class talking about the Paschal mystery as Jesus died, he rose, he ascended to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit. And I thought, wait a minute, that's the Paschal mystery? Mm. That's a huge mystery. Mm -hmm. Like if it includes all of that, and and that really is what the Paschal mystery is. Um, mm -hmm. Thinking about kind of the greatest truths of our faith, we have the Trinity, the incarnation, and the Paschal mystery. I mm -hmm. mean, these are some of the greatest things we we ponder. 
you know, these great mysteries that have absolutely no explanation that we just spend our life sitting and thinking about. <laughs> yeah. But the, the beautiful thing that I find about the Paschal Mystery is this idea that we have Jesus is like leading up to his death, his death, his resurrection, and that all of these moments kind of are one moment. Um, I love that about our faith is that they cannot be separated. And Sophia speaks about that too in Religious Potential of the Child. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, Religious Potential Child 1 on page 115, she says, the proclamation of the death of Christ should never be disjoined from the announcement of his resurrection. And I love that about our faith because we don't separate these moments. Like the Paschal mystery is Jesus's death but not just his death, it's his resurrection, or it's not just his resurrection, it's his death that leads up to the ascension and the Pentecost. And in all of these moments, these events in his life, but really it's one moment. Amen. I think one of the most striking uh, statements from St. Paul has to do with that, where he talks about if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is in vain. Like it's not just that he died, Mm -hmm. but that he also has risen and that Mm -hmm. that great truth is so incredible. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we might have a tendency to lean one way or the other, if that makes Mm. sense. Like maybe we just really focus on the death but we forget about the resurrection or maybe we really just focus on the resurrection and not in our uncomfortable, maybe thinking about the death and it's there. You can't have one without the other. There are two. It's they come. The completion of their meaning is when it's all together. It's true. But is that not like the tension of our faith, the Trinity, three persons, one God incarnation, Mm. Jesus is true God, true man. Like there's not one or it's the both and, and to hold that, together at all moments. I mean, it's a challenge and yet it's also a beautiful gift because it helps us put our experiences into that as well Mm -hmm. because so often we experience those tensions in our own lives. Mm -hmm. In Sophia's book, Look at the Light, Mm. where she's, she's writing letters about the loss that has recently happened in our life. She talks a lot about we are a resurrection people and how, um, there is this death that has just happened, this loss that has happened. But because we are resurrection people, we are looking to the resurrection. We are looking for the light because the light is stronger than the darkness. And just this whole idea of like, there's moments in our life where I think we can really identify with Good Friday. Um, We're feeling that pain of Good Friday. But Easter Sunday is what gives us the hope that it doesn't, the story doesn't end there, that that's not where we just sit and stay. We're looking for that light. And I would say too, when we look back, maybe not in the moment, but when we look back in our lives, I think we see that like indication of light mm-hmm. all the way through it. Um, this morning I had an interesting experience. I went out to my car and there's still frost on the windshield, <laughs> but the window to the east, there was a frost that was across. And I don't know how in the world that happened, but it was a cross in frost <laughs> with the sun shining through it. Mm, and it was cool. like this beautiful, just there it is. This is the truth of our faith. This is the Paschal mystery. Mm, that's so neat. I love those little moments because it's like God saying, it's like kisses from God. You know I know. I mean? I'm here. I, <laughs> I see you. Yep, exactly. See me. See me. <laughs> oh, that's neat. And one thing about... The way we celebrate it in the church with the tritium, I think it really emphasizes this one event 
that we've been talking about, like the way like Holy Thursday doesn't end with song, you know, like it, mm-hmm. and then Good Friday, we don't begin or end with song. And then Holy Saturday, it's just because it's one complete service. You know, it's one complete event. Those three days, Holy Thursday, Good Friday and Holy Saturday that leads us to the Easter Sunday. Um, I love the way that we celebrate it. We're just so we physically celebrate this his this one historical moment. And it's almost like a moment outside of our normal everyday. Like it, it it's a different way of experiencing time in this mm-hmm. one moment of the Triduum that expands throughout these hours and hours of time. Mm-hmm. And yet is this one moment. I agree. So beautiful. It is. It is really beautiful. And the children do such a great job of just accepting it without question. Like we sit here and we're like pondering, oh, that's so crazy. That's so amazing. Like, wow, how did that happen? But the children are like, well, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the exactly. The light is stronger than the darkness. Of course it is. I yeah, see that all exactly. the time. And I have found too, when they do question, because I've, I've had children say, but why, why did he have to die? And when they question, they they have this deep understanding of the whole mystery. Um, I remember working with a four-year-old with the city of Jerusalem. So looking at all those movements between the Last Supper to the garden, to Caiaphas, to all the way up to his death. And we were talking about he carried his cross to Mount Calvary. And she said, but why? But why did he have to die? And I said, oh, that is a very good. And she said, oh, no, I know. (sighs) So he could be risen. And I thought there is this unity of that mystery that they come to see in such a beautiful way. I love that she came to that all on her own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I had a conversation with some second graders, the same kind of thing. These, I was watching these two boys talking and, and one said, do you know what happened in Jerusalem? And the second boy said, Jesus died. And the first boy said, yes, and? <laughs> this is why we have candles at mass. And on the third day, and the second boy said he rose. Like, so just <laughs> you see them even helping each other to remember that this is one truth, one mystery. They're so wise. It's true. So you spoke into a little bit about the city of Jerusalem, but I was wondering if you would speak into how in the atrium, through all three levels, we dive into the Paschal mystery with the children. I was thinking about sort of these big truths of our faith, incarnation and Paschal mystery, and where do we see that? And I honestly, almost every material in the atrium has in some way that great truth, Jesus died and he is risen as a part of it. One of the presentations the three-year-olds received, the the parable of the Good Shepherd, typically in Lent of their first year, where they hear that I I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And this way of even right there beginning with giving all for the sheep, doing, giving time, giving attention, giving love for the mm-hmm. sheep. Um, I remember a four-year-old first year in the atrium who had received this presentation. Now, this child was one that wasn't sure was always listening. She came to school with soda in her backpack. She had been invited to leave another school. She just had some struggles personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was observing her work with the Good Shepherd material. And she was talking out loud and she said, the Lord Shepherd said, I am the great shepherd. You may follow me, the Lord. 
And a little bit later on, she's still working and she's got the good shepherd laying down and the sheep around him. And she says, he's going to come back to life. Just trust me. Mm. So her own sort of retelling of the parable, but hitting on both his greatness, his goodness, and his dying and rising. Yeah. And I thought, what a beautiful synopsis yeah. of this great truth. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and that's one of the many things in level one. We have two within sort of the theme of the Paschal Mystery, the cynical looking most intensely at that Last Supper moment, but mm -hmm. also showing how this first moment of hearing those words, this is my body, this is my blood, really was a precursor to the actual giving of his body and blood through the death and resurrection mm -hmm. of Jesus. So even from the age of three, kind of laying that foundation of the Paschal mystery that we too experience in mm -hmm. the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. The children also work, as I mentioned, with the city of Jerusalem, which is this beautiful material that helps us to really sensorially and visually be able to track the places Jesus went in that last uh, week, those last few days of his life. And the children, the children have this, this love of hearing the whole story and going from the moment of the Last Supper mm -hmm. all the way through his resurrection. And I've seen children come back working with it on their own, but also we have parent nights at our school. So once a year where the children can show uh, their parents some of the work. And I've watched children who've maybe worked with it for a year. So five-year-olds now telling their parents this whole story and every place and knowing the names and King Herod and Pilate and, and all the way through the resurrection, just sort of their proclaiming of this truth. I had a child once trace all the pieces and we kind of labeled them and, and numbered them so we could tell the story. And he said, I'm going to take this to my cousin because I want him to know this about Jesus. Oh, wow. What a little missionary. This innate evangelization already, yeah. you know, from a young one. Well, he, so he was responding. He had received something and he wanted to share it. His joy in yeah. this truth. Amen. He wanted yeah. his cousin to experience the joy and the so love true. that he encountered. That's Yeah, so I true. I love that. We look, too, at uh, a work called The Mystery of Life and Death, which is, comes from mm -hmm. John twelve twenty four, where Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. And so looking at when you plant a seed, you see it grow, but can we also see it dying? And then what is this life? What is this much fruit that comes? Um, and so that's a a work typically during this Lenten season that we ponder with the children. It's really beautiful to hear how they hear layers within it. Mm -hmm. I had a, um, a third grader say that one seed is Jesus and heaven is all the seeds when we're there with him. <laughs> and I had a second grader say it's, it's like when the bread at mass is broken, we die and then we go to heaven. But then uh, older children, too, an 11-year-old who said, he, he's saying there's something that's holding you back and it has to be let go of so you can really live. Wow. Yeah, I, I know. 
And in a similar way, a 12-year-old, we have something in us that will bring us lots of life, but not everything in us brings life. We have to look for that seed in us and let it live. Wow. Those, those lines you could just sit with, right? I know. I'm sitting here thinking, wow, in those examples, you see the progression of children in mm -hmm. their spiritual development through that. You know, like I see like that typical level one child, level two child, level three child in your examples and what mm -hmm. their focus is. And that's, it's funny because whenever I love the mystery of life and death, our meditation on a, on that one verse is powerful because to me it gives hope that death Amen. is not this negative thing. There is hope behind it. There's new life that comes from death, all kinds of death. And that those level three children, your examples is so beautiful because they're not stuck on just death, meaning the typical meaning of death. They've applied it to their own life and which is such a level three child and how, how it affects their contribution to the kingdom. Amen. To let little things in themselves die so there mm -hmm. can be new life. I was just presenting this mystery of life and death to a group of uh, catechists in formation to become level two catechists. And so working with the, the six to nine year old child and we were pondering this verse. And at the end, there's always someone who says, okay, but what do the children say? Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> but the children say things even more profound than even what we were saying. So because sometimes there's this sense of, well, this is really great when we ponder it as adults, but do the children really get it? And I would say they get it in ways I had never even mm -hmm. considered. Mm -hmm. Such a beautiful gift to us as adults, this listening to the children. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes as adults, we can get caught up in expecting the children to have responses like that every time. <laughs> it's true. I have to remember to say, this is over 15 years. Here yes. are the responses. Yes. <laughs> right. And I think that we have to just remember that the planting the seed inside of them is a response. Like their, their ponderment over years of what has been presented to them is a response. And occasionally we get the gift of seeing fruit from their response, but not always. And um, I think it's sometimes us adults can see it as, oh, well, maybe I didn't do it right or, you know, they're distracted or whatever. But I think we have to trust scripture and the Holy Spirit more often that um, stuff is happening. Stuff is percolating inside of them. We just have to. And every once in a while we get reassurance of that. But it's not not all the time. It's true. And I would say this is why one of the greatest gifts that I've had in this work is working with the same group of children from the age of three through fifth grade now, because there are children in that group that I never knew what was going on on the inside. Mm -hmm. There are some children you have a sense of, or they're more verbal early on, but there were some children I was pretty sure never heard a word <laughs> I said and just prayed that God was doing what he needed to do. Mm -hmm. And yet, three years later, four years later, I'm hearing them speak from the perspective of the mustard seed or yeah. the precious pearl. or And you see that, that those seeds that were under and not yeah. being shown yet yeah. were really growing in a really beautiful way and, and growing a foundation for the fruit to come when it was time. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And again, you just have to kind of trust the Holy Spirit. I have a son who is exactly like what you're describing. Like you would think that that child <laughs> is not listening ever, but every once in a while, these little gold gems come out of him that you're like, 
you've been listening this whole time, even mm-hmm. though you're rolling on the floor or playing or roll, running off like and, – and what's also really fascinating is every time you have that child and they, they show you the gold nugget – it's always the most essential that they say. Mm. Like the what you just pointed out of like that child for three years, you didn't think they were listening and they say something about the mustard seed. They go to those essential pieces that they say and they're like, yeah, this is the kingdom of God. It's just like the mustard seed and it's growing. And you're like, what? It's not the outlier things that they lift up. It's it's the core. They heard the truth and they heard it deeply. Yes. And, and yeah, just just what was needed was kept with them. Yes. And yet God has allowed that deepest of truths, that most essential of truths to guide all these other aspects of their life. Because they often will bring it up in a way that I would think that's not how we were talking about it. That certainly didn't come from me. And yet there's this beauty in how they then use that truth and apply it and synthesize Mm it. Mm -hmm. It's very true. And honestly, this makes me think again about the Paschal Mystery because when you open your eyes to what the Paschal mystery really is, you see it everywhere. You see it in mass and you see it in our prayer and in our, like the children and they're like dying to self of things inside of our own life. You see that Paschal mystery in that, in everything about our Christian faith, because it is the climax of our faith. It is the most essential aspect of our faith, this idea of dying and rising and the light being stronger than the darkness. And then this idea of spreading the light, that is the most essential message. That is, that is it. And when we've kind of allowed ourselves to sit with that for a while, we start to see its imprint everywhere. I would agree. Even right now it's spring and we're seeing it in the trees and the flowers, you know, like it's it's even in nature. Yeah. So true. God is so good. He uses, you know, all aspects of his creation to reveal himself to us. Mm -hmm. And so long before he had come himself to be with us in the person of Jesus, like he had already shown us this mystery of life coming from death in nature and, and how beautifully trying to prepare us to hear this great truth. And I too die in order to give life, Mm -hmm. life to you. So beautiful. It is. It really is. I was thinking about one of the materials in the atrium that is a level two and a level three material. So more for the elementary child called the mystery of faith. And it it's a way of looking at kind of what you were just talking about in the aspect of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. So after the epiclesis, we ask God to send the Holy Spirit, the words of consecration. We hear those words of Jesus. This is my body. This is my blood. We know that he is present with us. We know hidden in the signs of bread and wine, but, but he is truly present. And, and with the children, we lay out the paten and chalice and, and a good shepherd statue to remind us that here he is mm-hmm. uh, with us in this moment. And then Father says, the mystery of faith the mystery of faith is sitting right there in front of us, Jesus, mm-hmm. hidden in these signs of bread and wine. And yet we respond, we proclaim your death, O Lord, profess your resurrection until you come again. Well, that's the mystery of our faith, mm-hmm. his death, his resurrection, his coming again. This two mysteries that are really like so intimately united mm-hmm. that they sort of stand on either side of that, the mystery of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this was, I've heard that this particular moment of the mass was of uh, 
great importance to Sophia and in her work with the children, they too really took on this moment as having such incredible significance because it's that heart of the mystery. Mm -hmm. Jesus died, he rose, he will come again. And here he is present with us right now in Mm -hmm. this moment. I had a child at the end say, I just say, yes, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that work. I love it because, like you said, it's kind of the synthesis of everything, especially, you know, like you said, we put the Good Shepherd statue there. We have the Chalice and Patton there. We do it on this on this white circular Mm -hmm. cloth, which kind of implies maybe a host or also this never ending aspect to this mystery. But um, it has this whole synthesis aspect. So we have the. The, the pictures of the death, mm-hmm. your resurrection until you come again. So we have those three pictures of those three moments. But then somehow it synthesizes in this amazing, beautiful way, the Good Shepherd also, where so Sophia says the Good Shepherd parable is rooted in history in that mm-hmm. moment of Jesus' death, resurrection until you come again. And then we see it again in the Eucharist. With This is my body. This is my blood. Like you were saying with the Last Supper presentation. Like mm-hmm. it's that beautiful Paschal mystery imprinted on everything. I had a child say, they are many mysteries, but they are one mystery, the mystery Ooh. of our faith. Like just that faith itself has this great mysterious quality in which we we embrace these truths that we maybe can't understand, we can grow an understanding of, but can't fully comprehend. And yet we can we can we can ponder them with joy knowing god's goodness in this impossible thing in front of us i actually had a child say really there's another name for a mystery when we were talking about this mystery of our faith he said a mystery is also a miracle because only god can do it oh i love that many mysteries but it's really just one mystery <laughs> i love that amen amen mm-hmm. amen <laughs> I, I agree. I think that in the atrium, we do a really beautiful job of proclaiming this death resurrection until you come again in almost all the presentations. And, and you just start seeing it once your eyes have kind of been open to it. You see it in baptism. You see it on the altar when we light the two candles and you see it in even the mustard seed and it's growing and growing until he comes again. And well, it's everywhere. That's the foundation of our faith. And it's it's in it all. And I think too, one of the things that is so clear in the atrium is that this this death and resurrection is a gift of love. Mm-hmm. That that this is not taken from him or he had to. This was my body given up for you. Mm-hmm. My blood poured out for you. Um, I had a friend who was working with some children in level two and presenting the city of Jerusalem. And she said it led to a, like a, a conversation about exactly that. Wait, did he have to? No, no, he was God. He didn't have to. Well, then why would he? Well, he's the good shepherd. He loves his sheep. Like there's this, they're wrestling through some of these truths that we as adults to look at why and how and out of love. It seems that there's the answer out of love mm-hmm. as gift to us. And, and I think that's what we're celebrating in a particular way in the Triduum, his death and resurrection given out of love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you see it in the Good Shepherd. I laid down my life for my sheep mm-hmm. so that they may have life mm-hmm. and have it to the full. 
he is very good to us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. It is so beautiful and so reassuring when we realize that our whole faith is rooted in love. I was thinking the children often, you know, the answer to everything is Jesus. Maybe Mary <laughs> once in a while, but usually it's Jesus. And really, it's Jesus and it's love. I mean, those are really the, and, and he is love. I mean, so there's this unity within even that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that's always been hard for me as a catechist is that we have these beautiful Easter presentations or beautiful presentations that have to do with this Paschal mystery, like the city of Jerusalem and the the Last Supper and then the Liturgy of Light and the Empty Tomb and Baptism. And I mean, these are all powerful presentations. And yet we have very limited time in the atrium every single year to do them. And here you're not able to do them all. And especially because most people do not meet during Holy Week or during the Tritium. We don't meet with the children during those times. A friend of mine, actually, you know what? I think it was Barbara Matera, who is our president of our CGS USA board. So Barbara, if it wasn't you, I'm sorry, but I think it was you. She meets with children in her parish on Holy Thursday and Good Friday and Holy Saturday, anybody who wants to bring their kids. And on Holy Thursday, she does a presentation of the Last Supper. And then on Good Friday, she does the presentation of the city of Jerusalem, like in the middle of the sanctuary. And then on Holy Thursday, they do a liturgy of the light, which is like exactly like the Easter vigil the beginning of the Easter vigil. And that's her way of being able to live out those moments with the children before they go celebrate with the the big community. And I, I can just imagine that it would allow the children to be able to experience the Holy Thursday mass and good Friday service and Easter vigil on a deeper level after having kind of pondered it on their own level a little bit more. Mm Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. I think there's ways where we can adapt that even to be able to do it in our home, maybe mm-hmm. not necessarily with the materials. Well, I would say even last year, I know, and some people I'm sure this year too are dealing with that. How do we honor the greatness of this truth and this time when maybe we can't gather as we usually do, or we can't celebrate as we usually do? And I was so touched by how many catechists reach out to me and said, Thank you for giving us language and understanding of these truths and these children to be able to offer them something even within our homes. So catechists speaking just for their own children and their own families, feeling like we understand the essentials now well enough to be able to offer this to the children and allow them a way of responding in their own time, Mm -hmm. in their own way. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's through drawing, maybe it's through artwork, maybe reading a verse of scripture, maybe singing a song together, ways to 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 proclaim that deepest of truth within the Triduum. God's love sends his son who willingly dies so that he might rise and mm-hmm. share his life with us. And and to just remember what is at the core and then enjoy that truth with the children. You have written a really beautiful parent page on our website specifically to help parents live out or to sit and ponder this Paschal mystery with their children. Um, I'll put a link in our show notes, but it has some really simple but beautiful ideas on how parents or grandparents or just any family member can sit with the, this mystery on each of these days 
that we're about to be walking into with their children. I hope it is of help. I know that my nieces and nephews uh, in their, you know, celebrating of these feasts, they have taught me much in the ways that sort of stick with a child and um, the things they look forward to each year as a family that we celebrate. I think every family can begin to have some really beautiful traditions and Mm -hmm. often already does just honoring the youngest of children within those traditions as well, I think Mm -hmm. is a really beautiful way to celebrate um, Mm -hmm. the Triduum. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it creates an emotional impression on the children in a deeper way, especially Mm -hmm. when it's with your family and the people that they love. Um, Absolutely. I think it's important always as parents to remember that whenever we try to do these things with our children that it doesn't have to look perfect. (laughs) You know, like I have five children and it's never perfect. And, um, I, if they're all in the same room for the whole thing, it's a success. And those seeds are being planted there too, right? That same idea. We did certain things with my grandparents and all the cousins and there were so many of us and I don't remember specifics, but I remember loving those days because we did them together. Yeah. So it's almost an emotion that you're going for with your mm-hmm. children then mm-hmm. rather than the product. So for the children to have a positive experience that has to do with the Paschal Mystery, I think is the goal rather than to be able to know facts about any of it. Um, I Because then, like you said, they're going to have a memory like you do with your cousins mm-hmm. that's going to – they're going to carry with them for the rest of their life. And it's going to be associated with church and the Paschal mystery and the death and resurrection. Absolutely. And I think those deep experiences Mm -hmm. as you grow lead to the questions and the wanting to intellectually understand better because there was this like a sigh moment almost sometimes with the littlest ones in the atrium, you don't have a verbal response, but like there's a, a deep sigh of contentment. And I Mm -hmm. often think those are the greatest gifts because Mm -hmm. that child may never be able to articulate what happened, but they felt so at peace in that moment. Right. Right. I think that's a really great point that we also should not expect our children to give us a response. Um, I think that when that happens, it starts to feel like school. So we have to allow for silence to be a response. Uh, But I love also on your parent page that you drawing this moment. I think that's huge because it allows the children to take whatever's going on in their hearts that sometimes doesn't have words associated to it and to be able to draw it. And it doesn't have to be shared with the family. Like it can be a part, the drawing can be a personal thing between them and God. And it can be disposed of afterwards because it's not a product. It's not about putting it up on the fridge. It's, it's the action of doing the drawing is prayer for them, is a communication for them between them and God. And once that moment is done between them and God, the paper doesn't matter anymore. And so it doesn't have to be presented to the family or put anywhere. I mean, they might want to, they might want to gift it to you or whatever, but that's not the goal. I would even go a step further and say, maybe this is everyone in the family might take a time in silence to draw. I would say, some of the most beautiful moments I've had in the atrium, like personally myself, it was a really peaceful day. Children were very busy or in a formation course, we're taking time to work with materials. And I've sat down and I am not an artist by any (laughs) means. And I have two sisters who are, so believe me, I know I'm not. So, but to sit and draw 
something that then leads me to draw something else that I wasn't planning on, but like there's almost, it's almost like Lexio Divina where we hear a scripture and then we hear another connection and we hear something else. Mm-hmm. And the same thing in the artwork that sometimes in our own drawing, we, we synthesize truths that we didn't even realize we were, you know, kind of wrestling with, so to say. Mm-hmm. So again, allowing that Holy Spirit to lead us in that kind of a response and maybe even as a whole family, yes. not together on one page, but each of us taking time to kind of draw for a few minutes about mm-hmm. what we're hearing in a particular scripture or in a, in a, a liturgical celebration and to kind of put out in images instead of trying to articulate right. uh, the deep truths that are being revealed. Yeah, that is so important for the whole family, the parents as well to do that, because I think one, it shows a good example to the children, but I think it also shows lifelong learning. Um, Sometimes if it's just like the children do this, the children do this and the parents just, they're the ones presenting, it kind of gives this impression that, you know, you're learning as a child, but once you're an adult, you're done. And so if we're all sitting there, mom, dad, and the kids are all sitting there um, listening, pondering, and maybe drawing or writing or whatever, however you respond, it shows the children that this is a lifelong process of growing closer to God. And it's, it's really beautiful examples to them as well. That's, that's a really great point. I hope that empowers maybe some families to sit together and break open these scriptures. And yeah, I'll put a link to this parent page because it is a great resource for families to be able to kind of springboard from this into wherever, whatever's best for their family to ponder this beautiful mystery that is the, the culmination of our whole faith. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a lot of fun and oh, such a big topic. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carrie. Have a great Tritium and Easter. You as well. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. There were two different books that I referenced in this episode. There was Look at the Light, Words on Loss and Love from Sophia Calvaletti, as well as The Religious Potential of the Child for the three to six-year-old child by Sophia Calvaletti. If you haven't heard, there is a new third English edition that we have out. So before Sophia died, she did edits on Religious Potential of the Child for the Spanish edition. And we are just now being able to get those edits in the English version. And so that is what the third edition is. It has all the different edits that Sophia had done. If you would like to look at either of those books, I have links to them for our e-store in the show notes. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. We would like to thank all the contributing members for making this podcast possible. We wish everyone a very blessed tritium and a very happy Easter. We will see you all in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.